Welcome to the Birth Uprising podcast with me, Jade. And me, Alex. We're two birth experts who aren't afraid to say it how it is. Join us weekly where we will discuss everything pregnancy, birth and postnatal. We'll be joined by special guests with all sorts of expertise. So be ready to get informed, get knowledgeable and realise how fucking amazing you truly are. Welcome to another episode of Get Ready to Birth Like a Badass and Parent Like a Boss. Um, we are here of an eve whilst children are asleep currently. Yeah, we may only have five or ten minutes, but you know, we're going to make the most of it as we always do. Um, we have, well, we have, Alex has had a day of it um, <laughs> with children. Yes. I have, I think... That Silas is probably due some teeth, although I'm not sure now. Um, my eldest has come home from school. She's not very well. So now I'm wondering if Silas has maybe been feeling unwell. Um, I guess we'll You're see. slightly Either sniffly as well. Yeah, you? but I feel like that's hay fever. That's right. been such a long time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Really don't know. But he is like he is the happiest little baby vast majority of the time like it's just he's not himself since like no. Tuesday I think um, he was a bit windy in the morning Tuesday wasn't he and then he yeah. went off with my sister and bless her he, <laughs> that was when he decided he wanted to scream his head off for ages yeah. Boom, uh, and he's pretty much done that on and off since we um, the podcast that people are about to listen to <laughs> yes let's talk about that I was unable, I was unable <laughs> to join that podcast I said hello to the guest and then I immediately had to go and see to a crying baby who did not stop for an hour and a half. So, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear on the podcast whilst um, me and the guests are talking, <laughs> I uh, will mention the fact that Alex is wandering around in the background. Like, she's there the entire time. You just cannot see her or hear her. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It's very interesting. It. Yeah. I essentially was treated as a listener for this podcast, yeah. and I can tell you it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> which is good um but yeah it's been you know it's those of you who don't know alex and i have a office a studio that we work in mm-hmm. and every day we're in there three times a week and silas alex's little one who is nine months old now nearly yep. nine months old yeah um comes in with alex every day and river comes in with me two out of the three days and i'll tell you what it's not easy <laughs> It's, not, it's easy. not easy. They do tend to do pretty well, though, don't they? They're very them? good. They are. They they really are very helpful for us. Like you know, they they they're really. I hate saying like they're good boys, but they're good boys. Like they're really like you know they're great. But they have been whinging little shitbags this week. But the both of them were whingy and just like River less whingy and just more. He's a toddler now doing toddler yeah. things like grabbing stuff and like throwing stuff on the floor and getting water everywhere and laughing at it and you know just doing what toddlers do but it is getting increasingly difficult and not only are we full-time parents we um have this business that is full-time as well and if any of you own small businesses at the moment you'll know that it's a hard time for small businesses like we are um you know if you see us and you think we're pretty chill and everything seems quite calm, if we were a duck and you saw below the water, you'd see our little feet fucking 
paddling away, like scrabbling. Desperately. Desperately just trying to keep everything fucking afloat. (laughs) Um, Which is certainly how I feel in my life at the moment. Like, I am just trying to keep everything floating. Like, nothing is thriving, but everything is kind of doing okay. And I think a lot of businesses in the UK, especially, feel like this at the moment, little businesses. And we are definitely feeling the same. And on top of that, we don't get a day a week without a child um and it's hard work <laughs> but we do do our best yeah we're we're trying to make it work for us i think we've basically we have realized that we probably need to get the boys out for a little break mm-hmm. um at some point in the middle of the day um just to break it up a bit for them we've made the office pretty like child friendly haven't we there's a, ball got a pool, fucking ball pool a tunnel, yeah. a tent. <laughs> but it's not enough. As far no. as they're concerned, it is a single room and yeah. it's boring. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. 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 Cannot blame them, really. So, yeah, we... Uh, that's basically been our week. What else have we done? Oh, Lucy and Yak had a new drop today. And I <sighs> bought more stuff than I'm probably going to keep. I hope. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it's it. Nice. You deserve um, nice things, mate. We deserve nice things. We deserve them. And they keep bringing out nice things and I can't stop buying them. Um, but there's really not been an awful lot going on. We've just been working our little tushes <laughs> off. There she goes. Look, see, she's poorly. I'm telling you. Um, but what we've done, we've got the Our America pack coming out soon, which is done now. Yes. It's finished. We're just putting the finishing touches on them, last little bits of the website and everything. So that's really exciting. And that's something we're really looking forward to doing. Um, and we've got our V-back course, which is out. So we are now at that point where we can just chill a little bit with stuff, but can't because... <laughs> That is such a funny concept, Jane. You are so funny. Um, we can't chill. We no. can now hopefully get to a point where we cannot just be clinging to the lifeboat, but actually sit inside the rowing boat. We're not on the cruise ship yet, but we are sat in the rowing boat. We're dry and we are safe. I think that's that's where we are aiming for right now. The the recording of new things is done and we get to enjoy going back to making our YouTube content, mm-hmm. keeping on top of the podcast, just fucking about on the gram, which we very much enjoy and yes, probably haven't done enough of no. whilst we've been working on other things. Um, yeah, we get to go back to all the fun bits, don't we? Yes, we do. And that is... I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, just enjoying that a bit more. I am very aware, though, that we have got summer holidays fucking quickly looming. Yeah. What are we, like a week? <coughs> oh, no. <coughs> oh, no. You okay, hun? Oh, if I am getting poorly, I'm going to be so cross. Um, yeah, we've, what, we've got maybe six weeks? Yeah. Which is just... They're, just, they're never at school. No. They're never at school. Um, we are hopefully going to have our friends and family help us out a little bit. I fucking so hope so. that we could maybe do like a day a week mm-hmm. in the office still. Because we really don't do well when we are not in the office, do we? Like, no. we feel rubbish and we just aren't as productive. So yeah, that's what we aim for. 
yeah absolutely hopefully we can uh do that during the summer um but let's talk a little bit about today's episode then um because i'm very aware that we haven't got long till your child probably wakes up um <laughs> poor you so we um i spoke this week with um jenna from tribe psychology i think is her instagram right name is that correct um correct. jenna is a clinical um psychologist and she works closely with parents and um helping them kind of with the transition into parenthood and their mental health and Jenna and I have a really good chat about postnatal mental health um how people may feel ways in which people may um engage in mental health services and kind of things that birth partners can do um to help you know there's it's a really good chat I've learned some interesting things in it as well um and I think it's going to be a really helpful episode for many many people yeah I think so sadly it is something that affects a lot of people whether mm-hmm. it is um you know very severe or sort of impacting on their life but they feel like it's not yeah really worth seeking support and obviously Jenna's in the episode talking about how actually those people deserve support and how we can seek it so yeah yeah, it's really really good and sadly some of you listening may well need this information Mm -hmm. and we hope it's useful for you yeah absolutely so yeah enjoy uh this week's episode and um yeah we're gonna go and look after annoying children I'm going to sit <laughs> tense outside the room expecting to be uh, summoned back in there any minute. <laughs> no, not really. I'm going to go and get the other children to bed, aren't I? Oh, God. Mugs. Absolutely. It mugs. never ends. No, never ending. Right. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello. Um, we are here this week with the lovely Dr. Jenna. Can I call you Dr. Jenna? <laughs> I feel like it's an appropriate. Yeah, you can if you like. <laughs> I feel like it's the way to uh, address you. I probably will just go with Jenna, but I feel like Dr. Jenna, it's important to get that title in there as we start. Hey, eh? you, you worked for that, so you deserve it. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Alex is here, but Alex is currently off um, trying to get one of her children. I'm presuming it's probably the littlest back to sleep. So she can probably hear us because um, <laughs> she had her headphones in um, but she's probably got a tit in a baby's mouth right now so she'll be back at some point as and when um, and until then you've got me and Jenna to talk to um, Jenna is here this week to talk with us about postnatal mental health which I think is a really important topic and something that I think is getting a little bit more traction nowadays but still not as much as it should be, um, quite frankly, but she's here to talk about that. And Jenna is very well placed to do that. So Jenna is a clinical psychologist. Um, she has worked across many mental health settings over the years inside the NHS and privately. And you're now specialising, aren't you, in helping parents with their journey to parenthood from conception all the way up until their early years. I mean, essentially until people will have you, I presume. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm de- if if you have um issues with, you know, with your children, that's not no. me. Like <laughs> if your children are, if you're struggling with parenting, that's not me. So it's more the adjustment yeah. to becoming a parent um that that's where my sort of expertise ends, I guess. Um but yeah, that whole journey, that planning to become a parent, 
and when the journey doesn't go as smooth yeah. as most of us hope it does and don't you know we don't often expect that it's not going to be mm-hmm. smooth um so yeah so that's what I do now. very exciting and what I mean, I'm quite interested to like know why why did you go along that kind of route because I suppose within your work you could have gone along many different avenues um but how did you end up kind of doing what it is that you do now yeah so um in clinical psychology so we just said I earned the doctor title so I'm not a medical doctor I have a doctorate in clinical psychology uh, which is like a professional vocational um doctorate and as part of that training you sort of work on rotation like you would if you were a medical student or a nurse you work with sort of adults children um different populations different community setting inpatient setting um and I never had a particular client group that I was passionate about so I've been working in mental health since 2009 and I've never had one particular like client group or therapy and that's that's often how people specialize Um, I just knew that I wanted to have variety and do lots of different things. And my biggest thing was prevention, like prevention Mm -hmm. and um, supporting systems around people to get things right. Um, So, yeah, so that was my thing. And I did that in various different settings. And then I got pregnant and had a baby and just realizing how little attention is paid um to mental health and emotional well-being mm. and the transition to becoming a parent yeah. um yeah I just that was like this is where I can do all yeah. of those things and recognizing it and being part of it because um yeah that was like the biggest part of lived experience that I had of going through this and realizing this is not talked about enough yeah Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's a tale as old as time with this kind of work that you get that um, passion for it once you've been through it. And I don't think you really, becoming a parent, especially becoming a mother, I think no one can truly understand what that's like until you do it yourself. And then once you've done that yourself, that's when that kind of light bulb of I can make a difference here. I've got the experience and now I've got the lived experience of this and you can, you know, push yourself through into it. So that's really, really interesting. Um, and how do you how do you go about working with people like that? Then what is your kind of how can people work with you with things like that? Like what what's your day to day with it? So, yeah, as you said, I, I work in the NHS and I work in private mm-hmm. practice. Um, so I, I currently hold two positions um, and have a family. So three so positions. Three <laughs> yeah. positions. Um, so all demand, you know, a lot of my time uh-huh. and attention and brain power. Um, and so, yeah, um, obviously in the NHS, if you're not in my area, um, you can't see me, but, um, you know, there are NHS perinatal services around Mm -hmm. and now maternal mental health services. So, you know, the NHS is since about 2017, perinatal mental health has been on the agenda, um, in, in the NHS. Um, and then in private practice, um, I work with people who are self-funding, so people who are in the position to be able to pay for therapy themselves, which is, I appreciate, it's not everybody. Um, And I also work with people who have private medical insurance, so they would pay for for therapy. And I, again, I appreciate that not everyone's in that position. Um, Whilst I have a very small private practice, it's really hard for me to do anything that is more um, affordable and accessible Mm -hmm. and to be able to have that set up. Um, but that is definitely something that I aspire to. And I guess the 
um, how we sort of know each other through Instagram. A lot, yeah, through Instagram, and a lot of the, a lot of my passion has been about supporting birth workers yeah. to be more informed about perinatal mental health in their practice. Um, and you know, I do a lot of free stuff with that, yeah. and um, that's a way that I can see that more people can benefit yeah. from sort of the things that I know and the things that I can can offer and help people with. So hopefully that has a sort of a wider. Yeah. A wider impact. Absolutely. I think your Instagram as well is great for that because you do you have a lot of things that you pop on there, like then free stuff for birth workers and for people that are pregnant as well. Um so I will pop we'll put that in the show notes so people can come and follow you on Instagram and have a look at the stuff that you do because there isn't enough focus on what we are going to be talking about and kind of what you do. Um like I said it is starting to get a little bit more traction but you know there should be more focus on our mental health as parents and new parents because it's a big adjustment, right? It is a huge adjustment, and that yeah. is what we are going to be talking about today. But before we start talking about that, let's get into our questions that we ask every guest, which are some of the most important questions you'll ever be asked on a podcast. <laughs> Honestly, we get so many emails when people pick food. Like It's become like people will be like, I loved that thing. That was a great thing to pick. Um, and sometimes people are very angry about people's food choices. <laughs> like People have got a lot of opinions when it comes to other people's food. So we're going to ask you these questions. So question number one, if you could pick your dream meal to have after having a baby, what would it be? Like go wild. This can be from anywhere in the entire world. It can be from any time. We can pick you a starter from here. and We can get you a main meal from here. Like If you ever listen to Off Menu, that podcast with James Acaster and Ed Gamble, this is our little tiny bit of Off Menu. So have what you want. What would it be for you after giving birth? Um, okay, so I went with something that um for me for my main course something that they don't actually sell anymore at the restaurant um so it's like a time yes excellent or um so there's a place called hooks hucklebury's in lincoln um and their saint louis baby back ribs the best thing i've ever eaten that makes me hungry Um, and then so we, we all started going there and then someone one person went and they said they don't do it anymore. And we all mourned the loss of <laughs> St. Louis baby back ribs. And uh, yeah, so that that would be. And also like, you know, on a practical level, yeah. like there's always a little bit of blood loss. Mm-hmm. So like red meat. Yeah. I mean, of vegans don't come at me. Like I'm sure there's other ways to replenish. <laughs> yeah, but we that. are having but this. For me, yeah. I'm having yeah. ribs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm having ribs. I think that's a good show. Um, yeah um and then for my side it would be a jacket potato with salt and butter yeah really simple yeah I like that maybe a bit boring whatever um but all and then also an apple and smoked cheese salad because I like to keep it I I know that it might you know ruffle a few feathers with the whole sweet and (laughs) savoury I like it apple and smoked cheese I don't know I've ever had that but that sounds delicious yeah, so the weirdest thing is it's it's obviously apple. The best is like green apple, like yeah. tart green apple. And then smoked che- cheese would be applewood smoked. So you'll remember it because it's got mm. apple in it. Applewood smoked cheddar and apple. Nice, I like that. And so what are you drinking? Awesome combination. What are you drinking? Okay, this is specific. We need to go across the Atlantic. Okay, excellent. Atlantic. I'm terrible at geography. Um, we need to go to Mexico to get a mango tango cocktail. Ooh which is a uh, slush because I absolutely love 
ice and cold frozen drinks and that is actually one of the reasons why like when people ask me why did you why do you really want a home birth I was like because I don't do ice in the hospital (laughs) and I really want ice like I'm a bit I, I have ice in my drinks all year round like I'm I can't drink things that are not ice cold um so yeah slush cocktails are my are my favorite that sounds good mango tango is it's mango daiquiri mixed with strawberry daiquiri like layered up you know like you see those fancy yeah that sounds delicious that sounds really good and what you what you having for dessert um a little bit of a pun (laughs) oh go on something something homemade because i made you know uh, I, I like so it gonna... i like it clever yeah. um <laughs> and i do bake and i am good oh, yeah, okay um when i have the time yeah well there you go so maybe like yeah maybe like lemon drizzle cake <laughs> oh i love a lemon drizzle i think that's good i think mm. that's a good after i like the ribs because you're right do you know a lot of people pick steak and i feel like there's so yes i was gonna go with steak and i was just like uh yeah but yeah. this is on another level I think there's something in it there's something in that wanting that red kind of meat after yeah. birth like the you know replenishes something that's kind of in there so yeah, yeah. I'm down with that um again vegans don't yeah come don't at come me. at me honestly you know not to it's fine don't worry um and so in reality what did you have after birth so after my first baby I was in the hospital and I had jam on uh, was it how was it shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, yeah, I don't like tea. No, and it's like square, square white yeah. bread. You know, the cheapest box, box white yeah. bread. Yeah, not enjoyable. Um, yeah, but then after that, straight after I had some cheese and crackers. Like I don't even think I ate all the jam and toast. I thought it was yeah. rubbish. So I asked for like cheese and crackers and butter, and that was quite nice. Nice, because you can't really go wrong with. No, you can't. You can't go wrong. Cheese. And what about a second time? Second time, um, I don't know why, but I didn't get anything in like a big meal. I knew I had my ice and my drinks and stuff, but I didn't really get in anything. Um, maybe because I thought I was going to have a little bit longer. Yeah. So, I was, you know, when you sort of plan for being 42 weeks. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. So I, maybe it was something that I just didn't didn't yeah. go shopping before. Um, and I had no signs, you know. No, I just started. started. Five hours later, baby's there. Um, I mean, obviously not. I um I we ate in bed all four of us well no the baby obviously didn't eat any of these um posh biscuits that the midwives didn't even crack open bastards so there was we bought some posh biscuits (laughs) they were only there for about three and a half hours so they obviously didn't you know they're not used to that regular break so they bless them um so they didn't crack open the biscuits so we just sat in bed at about seven in the morning and ate I was going to say, did you not get a takeaway? But not at seven in the morning. No. no. <laughs> Your local no. kebab house isn't open at seven, and well, it might actually be. Depends where you are in the world, I suppose. But um, um, yeah. No, the nightlife is not that vibrant here. <laughs> it's not here either, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I um, I think that posh biscuits after a birth are well worth it. That sounds great. It's a shame that you couldn't hadn't got anything in, but like you say, if you had no signs and you were like, I, I'm going to go to 42 weeks, that's my plan, that's probably what's going to happen, then it's not a surprise, is it, that you didn't get anything in? No. <laughs> um, we didn't. But it was all good. And, it, you know, it was quite, relatively speaking, compared to my first birth, I, there was a lot less, I felt a lot less 
zapped of energy. Yeah, of course, I can imagine. Um, so last question. What would be your one bit of advice to a newly pregnant person? You can tell them one thing. What are you telling them? Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Be curious. This is more than one thing. No, that's fine, mate. It always is. (laughs) Be curious. And that means slowing down. It means asking questions, not just of other people, of yourself. Slowing down some more. I'm making some space for reflection. Like, just, yeah, just slow down. I like it. I feel like there's this whole, there's a rush around everything, yeah. isn't there? There's a rush from, yeah. yeah. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Yeah. Like, our minds will take us on that all the time, all day long if we allow it to. Um, yes. And we don't often live slow in down. the present, do we? We tend to live in the what's next. And then this is next. And actually, if I do this tomorrow, I'm terrible for that all the time. But yeah, I know that Alex yeah. in her postnatal period of Silas was um, very slow, <laughs> like a sloth. But she spent a lot of time just kind of sitting with baby and just enjoying going and doing not a lot, which I think is a really wonderful thing to do and to just be present in that moment, which is easier said than done sometimes. But I think it's a nice thing to try and work towards isn't it especially in the modern world we uh have a lot at our fingertips a lot of the time and if we try and like put that away and just chill a little bit more I think that's lovely advice mm. yeah. um so we are gonna talk now into our main section <laughs> so let's go so we you are here to talk with us about postnatal mental health um something that is a real um close to my heart something that I am very passionate about due to like my own circumstances like I said that's often the way we feel very passionate about certain things isn't it um and yeah I think it's something that we need to talk about more so it's great that you're here kind of chatting with us about that this week yeah um and I guess it's such a big subject isn't isn't it like there's so many um, different aspects that we could talk about, different labels, mm-hmm. different experiences. Um, and actually, the one thing that I think everybody needs to know is to that it really often does start with what happened, what happened in pregnancy, but like it starts earlier than that, like understanding the postnatal mental health starts earlier it starts in pregnancy it starts with birth it starts with that immediate postnatal period and what was happening or not happening in that time um and that's why like trauma is a big thing and it's the first question I ask the first question I ask when I am seeing anyone postnatally whatever the paperwork says if the paperwork says anxiety depression OCD um whatever the paperwork says I will always ask tell you know how was your birth experience like it's the trajectory for postnatal mental health and it's not about you know it's a spectrum in terms of of trauma and it's a spectrum and it's not about having even even in that person's mind the most traumatic birth experience yeah because again, postnatal mental health is a spectrum. Yeah. But it's about this trajectory of um, support or lack of support and 
the ways in which we cope when we're struggling or when we're faced with things that are difficult. Um, and to me, as a psychologist, that's what that's what um, like a diagnostic label is yeah. um, in terms of anxiety, postnatal depression, OCD. It's um, it's a list of things that represent how that person copes with their distress. Yeah. For various reasons yeah, yeah. Um, that we, you know, we don't, you know, we've got learning histories. We've got the way in which we've seen other people cope, um, the ways in which we're told we should cope. Mm. Um, and, and that looks a little bit different for everybody. Um, and that is what ends up happening when someone goes to the GP. Cause you know, that's, you know, GPs need to, I understand the system. They need to make decisions and to be able to get people yeah. to the right place or to make sense of things in a, in a quite quick and easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's where people end up with this label perhaps. And the first thing I will do is to right track back from that. Yeah. Instead of the what, why it's the why that we're yeah. most interested in. And actually the validation of this is coping in either the best way that you know how or the only ways that are available to you yeah. in the circumstances that you're in at, in at this time. So I don't know if that was what you were expecting, yeah. but I was just like, I'm not going to be like, this is OCD, this is postnatal depression. To me, as a psychologist, a lot of it is about, well, it's all based around what happened yeah. um, and what support was there or wasn't there and what the person experienced and felt and then them coping with the fallout of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see quite often people, you know, obviously we work in the giving birth uh, world and a lot of the time when people come out of birth and then they end up having, you know, some kind of mental health issues afterwards, you can often backtrack it to where things happen within birth and how they were made to feel. And a lot of the time what we see with what people say to us is that they weren't necessarily treated well by people or they were made to feel like they had no control over a situation. They were made to feel X, Y, Z. Um, And from there that, you know, once they've done some work, they're like, I can see how the birth itself had a real trajectory for me feeling as I did and actually reflecting on that birth is often I think the start of where people should go when it comes to you know especially postnatal depression I've been there it was bloody awful and if people are feeling like that they should go for help but I think there really is a a stigma even you know in today's society where well I'm here my baby's fine so why am I feeling shit why am I like this I shouldn't be trying to get some help because quite frankly you know I'm okay and therefore that's the best we can hope for and so anything that I am feeling I should just pack it away because that is the way it should be because baby is fine it's that kind of thing isn't it the whole um, you know as long as you've got a healthy baby that's all that matters. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that and feel like they shouldn't get help because of that. Um, But people still should go out and get help if they are feeling like they need it. Yeah, I think with the the this idea that we we shouldn't be feeling this way or that or the shame that we experience because we're feeling that way. Yeah. um, You know, really prevents people from from accessing help um and you know the response that people do sometimes get from people who don't understand yeah. um which even involves professionals yeah. you know and i i understand 
professionals can't know everything nope. and they're not perfect. Nope. Um, so yeah, being told that by, um, by professionals and the, the bar being so low for the support that society offers mm. to new, to, to new mothers and mothers generally. Yeah. Um, like it's been proven in, um, research when, when women present to a GP versus when men present to a GP and they share exactly the same symptoms and it takes sort of like something, I can't remember the, the, don't quote me on the figures, but like many more attempts to be taken seriously or investigated for the woman. Um, And there was actually one case and I don't know if the person, I think the person was in the sort of field of healthcare and they presented to their doctor with, um, you know, irritability and trouble concentrating and um, not being able to sleep and all of, you know, a, an array of things that were sort of impacting their mental health. And the response was, welcome to motherhood. <gasps> and I don't know why I'm shocked. I don't know why I'm shocked. No, this is it. Why are we shocked? Yeah, but I always am. I'm always shocked and I don't know why. But we, but we have to, even though we're not shocked, we have to be shocked. Yeah. Because otherwise we're tolerating yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. Like we know it happens, but we can't stop being shocked because if we stop being shocked, it's almost like colluding with it. Yeah. Even though we completely don't. That's really interesting. To, That's really interesting. To that, that research, that like you said, like people have found that. Um, I'm sure there's loads of like, especially women listening now that are like, yep, I, mm. I now every time I go to the doctors, I ask to, I, I won't see a male doctor because I don't get taken as seriously. And if it's about my children, I have gotten, and I wouldn't have done this before I knew about hypnobirthing and then I learned to advocate for myself. Like I was a pushover once, like I wouldn't have said boo to a goose, like really quite a shy person when it came to like asking for what I want. But I will now ask to see a doctor and preferably someone who is a mother. And I always get told by receptionists, you can't ask for that. I was like, well, I am. So if you could do that, I know which ones are um, because I've been to them before. Um, So I would like this doctor, Mm. this doctor or this doctor, because they when people are a mother, I feel like they listen to you a little bit more, certain people. And, you know, I feel like when it has come to mental health, especially those people, when it comes to parenthood and mental health, are definitely there's almost like a nod of I understand it. I understand because I have at points been there, whereas I don't think you sometimes get the same from male doctors. Not all. I'm saying that now. It's obviously not all, but from yeah. my experience, that little famous caveat. Yes, <laughs> from my experience. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting that you you say that. That uh, you know, and also there are there are female doctors who are and aren't mothers who are also what would you call it henchmen of the patriarchy yes. um who who sort of maintain those things as well because it, yeah it's not it's not all and it's not just no. um but yeah these things these ha- and and you know one of the worst times for invalidation is the postnatal ward yeah which is mainly fe- which is mainly female yeah you know you don't unless there was like a serious complication you don't get many no most midwives are women you yeah. don't get many male males or doctors on the postnatal ward unless there was like a health complication and they don't really generally speaking get into chit chat um and even if the pediatricians are male they're there for the baby yeah. for the newborn checks so yeah postnatal wards are like a big place for invalidation yeah. and a big place for um 
so the, the, the other thing that I find that I've found since I've been doing this work surprising is that it's so often about the aftermath rather than the actual birth, mm-hmm. like the immediate aftermath. So, so perhaps the birth was experienced as, as sort of difficult, didn't go to plan. Um, so, you know, unwanted interventions, it, they didn't know what to expect, yeah. you know, first birth and, you know, you can't predict no. it in, in its entirety. Absolutely and, not. You know, you can understand it, but you don't know how it's exactly going to go. So some, someone has a difficult experience and as a human being, we are well within our sort of right mind to expect that if someone's been through a difficult experience, if we've been through a difficult experience, someone will comfort us afterwards. Yeah. Like, right. Um, and actually what happens on the postnatal ward is like, they see this every day. Yeah. They see this every day and there is very little consistent validation, comfort, human connection on the postnatal ward and you know I understand time pressures I understand all of that but lots of these things that can be changed are very small yeah um and that's called sanctuary trauma so that's expecting to get to a place of sanctuary after a difficult experience yeah and it not being there and a lot a lot of people that I've seen it's what happened after a difficult birth that are the like the real sticking points for trauma the real sticking points for sort of violating people's expectations which are not high expectations just to sell a little bit of empathy (laughs) it's it's funny that because it's like it's so it's almost that first point point of call where it's like this is the first time that I was invalidated and that's where it kind of mm. the sticking point for people is, is that's where it begins is they maybe are expecting to come out of birth and have it be a hard time. And somebody almost like, you know, even a hand on the shoulder being like, it, you're OK, don't worry. You know, that 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 bit of human connection. But actually, you're finding that people are not always getting that. That seems to be like a real driver. Not often. Yeah, not often, I would say. Um, and. It is sad. And, and the fact is what I'm really passionate. I like, I wish I could, I know I'm never, ever going to go out of business in terms of there's always going to be yeah. people who have that need and there's always going to be work for me to do. I would prefer much more of it to be around prevention and getting it right in the yeah. first place. And there is so much healing and natural processing and adjustment that can be done at that point, at the really early yeah. postnatal point with, with, I mean, I know this is a bit of, um, this is a bit of a, kicking the teeth from mother nature or kicking the womb from mother nature, <laughs> if you like um one of, one of the best things for healing trauma and this has been proven in recent research is um sleep so after a traumatic experience Fuck cheers, mother nature um, what a bitch <laughs> yeah so like it's true it's true yeah. like um after trauma they've done research on people who were enabled or able to sleep um as soon as possible after the traumatic experience and they did it on other things but they they have done it on um I think it was emergency cesareans okay. because obviously the research world class that classes those as the most traumatic because they look the most traumatic uh, on paper. yeah of course what we know is that that's not necessarily Absolutely not. um that's not to invalidate anyone who did have a traumatic emergency no, it's, but it's to say yeah. that it's not about how it looks it's about how it feels absolutely um yeah so they've found that people who are enabled to sleep and rest um are less likely to have uh, uh, have less intrusive memories, which is right. one of the key components of, of PTSD. Um, sort of 
a week after and a couple of months after um wow so sleep is healing why is that what's the what what is is it why is it that sleep is healing is it that our brain repairs itself a bit what is the so the theory and this is a theory but having seen the impact of therapy i truly believe in this yeah um so when we dream yeah and we're in rem sleep rapid eye movement sleep can't remember the last time i had that in theory (laughs) Yeah, this is it you know mother nature cheers um that this is why birth trauma is probably higher than you know like increasing and also like you're more likely to get trauma from giving birth than you are from going to war yeah wow um, that's a scary we, thing you know we, we know this we're more like you're more likely to experience post-traumatic stress symptoms and this isn't to scare anybody yeah. this isn't empowering edu- educating yeah. and you know it's a fact. Yeah. So facts are facts. It is what it is. Um, yeah. So when we sleep and we're in REM sleep, which is when we dream, yeah. even if we don't remember them, that is when our brain is processing memories from the short term to the long term okay. storage centers in our brain. This is a theory. I'm going to try and explain it. Probably absolutely annihilate the actual. No, no, I'm getting, I'm getting it so fast. I'm getting it so fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so it processes things from, like, to put them into, like, our chronological memory. Okay. Um, when we have a traumatic experience, it's stored in a diff- in the short-term memory and in, like, a special place that's activated when we're under threat. Yeah. Because it's like, we need, to, we need to be aware of this. This is, like, a big deal for our survival. Um, and if we sleep afterwards, it's more likely that our brain will be able to put that back into the other place. Wow. That it needs to go and be like, you're safe now because, you know, and also you wouldn't sleep if you were still under threat. Yeah. If you were being chased by a tiger. Fight or flight. You wouldn't have a nap. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd be on it, yeah. wouldn't you? So actually slowing down, feeling safe, being sleeping will signal to your brain and your body that you're safe. And the REM sleep in theory should be able to help that met that traumatic memory get put into the right place. Um, and if you don't sleep, the theory, or you are feeling unsafe, then it doesn't get, or you try and avoid it because it was a trauma and you don't want to pay attention to it. Yeah. It doesn't get processed and put back into the right place. And it, it stays in the part of our brain that holds memories with no sort of timestamp. Right. So that, so when we are triggered to remember the birth trauma or the traumatic experience, it feels like it's happening to us now. Wow. And it's like, that's the threat response that we get. Well, um, And then we try and avoid it because that yeah. doesn't feel nice. That is fucking interesting. Like, genuinely, that is really interesting, Jenna. And I am, like... I, I Obviously, like, I understand fight or flight. I understand how, like, your sympathetic system works and everything. But that, like, how sleep... That's incredible. But like you say, kicking the teeth because <laughs> newborn parents aren't known yeah. for the amount of sleep they get, are they? Mm. How interesting. Also, postnatal wards, you know, with the lights yeah. and the machines and people coming and checking on you and all that stuff. It's not a very conducive environment to rest or sleep no. or you know no they, they feel quite yeah. and, and scary actually, as it is don't they so yeah 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 um so yeah the whole sleep thing but yeah being heard being validated so much healing can be done naturally if it's done early on yeah and so much stuff that then the, the person does need later on but by that point you know the ways you know the anxiety or the personal depression or the ocd or however they have learnt to best cope with their distress that's you've gone a bit further down the track then haven't you on the trajectory and that and then you've got the 
the judgment on top of that and the distress on top of that and the impact that that's had on all of you yeah. know your experiences since having the baby and so it's sort of harder to heal yeah the longer it's you know it's not I, I do it all the time yeah. with, with clients it's it's there's always healing but it's sort of like there's extra stuff that needs to be you've got to dig a bit done. deeper for it almost like it's almost like you're in bed yeah, the longer yeah. you leave it the more I know that I mean I am not a doctor <laughs> or anything like that but it's almost like the longer you leave it the more embedded it becomes or the more layers on top of yeah. it of things that have been distressing yeah like every time you're distressed and you've coped or every time you've been invalidated since the trauma um you know or every time you've not felt listened to and then you've j- judged and gaslighted yourself on top of that yeah. gaslit gaslighted i'm um, not a wordsmith you're not a both of them works <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy both yeah. <laughs> yeah that reminds me of when I saw Jade asking on stories does birth worker have a gap in between it or is it one word <laughs> and I was just like that's annoying because I don't know the answer and I don't even think the dictionary knows the answer no I think it's both isn't but, it anyway <laughs> How funny. We, di- we digress we do um yeah really really interesting and like you said I think the people getting that help early like you know actually like you say is one of the most important things that people can do people can like try and get that how how do people how would you come to somebody that is saying that they you know that this person wants help but they don't know how to go about it like what should people do like how should people go about that first step is it the gp is that the first port of call if they're not being heard by their gp what do they do because it's such a the nhs as you very well know is such a minefield and even the people within the nhs sometimes don't know how to get you from a to b necessarily because it's not a to b it's a to z to p to t and then you get to b eventually like how how are people best to do that and you know how does that look for people um yeah so if people are still involved with their midwife or health visitor um then they should know about perinatal specific services in that area yeah um so perinatal specific services like the maternal mental health services which are newly sort of being rolled out across the country there's quite i think there's maybe about 25 different services um now um and they're focused specifically on um fear of childbirth okay. which is called tocophobia yeah. which is like your day job yeah putting people through that yeah basically um <laughs> but like the severe yeah end. the um, and birth trauma no but like it's a spectrum isn't it <laughs> yeah, and yeah, also yeah. we know nhs thresholds for support are a lot higher yeah um yeah so trauma perinatal loss and fear of childbirth so yeah. fear of childbirth having never had a child before or fear of childbirth after birth trauma, which sort of straddles both pathways. But anyway, um, so midwife and health visitors should know about those. They're more likely to know about them than GPs because they're really quite new. And, you know, GPs can't know everything. Um, Then uh, there's the perinatal community mental health teams, which are the thresholds for that service are really quite high. So it's um, like a a team, including psychiatry and mental health nursing. And it's people who have like moderate to severe mental health needs across the perinatal period yeah which is right from pregnancy until baby is one and we've we've got a new nhs long-term plan which is expanding to age two because i think that that's necessary um and for that reason i'll mention delayed onset ptsd and delayed onset mental health problems what often happens yeah. in the perinatal period is that people are in just in survival mode they're still in threat mode they're in survival mode they're keeping the baby alive you know obviously that's what we're all doing yeah. in the perinatal period but it 
that is all it's we're like doing until you yeah yeah until you have a space and a time and you come down off that and yeah. you're like oh my god shit that was awful well, yeah. I feel awful and that can you know so I'm, I'm really glad that perinatal services are, are extending to two years yeah um uh, we also have new initiatives coming up. I say we, like I work in that specific area. <laughs> I don't work in this service, but I, the we is the Royal NHS yeah, we. Yeah, I like it. Um, dedicated to the cause. Um, we have IAP services, talking therapy services, and they have they prioritise people who are in the perinatal period and you can self-refer. So you can self-refer to them online. There should be one in your area. Yeah. Um, and they, if you are pregnant or have a child under the age of one, I think it's still one in mo- most areas, you will be like prioritized. So you'll be on like a priority waiting list yeah. because there's a recognition that that time period is important for mum and parent and baby. And, yeah. and that actually isn't specific to birthing people or mothers. That's partners as well. They okay. get expedited in um, IAPT talking therapy services yeah. whereas perinatal mental health services and maternal mental health services are specifically for the birthing parent mm-hmm. um so that's a difference so you you would need to have a referral from a health professional like your gp midwife or health visitor to get into maternal mental health services or perinatal services yeah. because they're the higher end of need um but to get into a talking therapist service you can self-refer okay uh what i would advise people to do based on my experience yeah my experiences and my understanding would be to be really specific in if you feel like you've had a traumatic birth Mm -hmm. to be really specific about that when you talk to the first person you talk to in whichever health professional you talk to um because common mental health problems anxiety and depression are um like the the heaviest invested in Mm -hmm. um mental health difficulties in terms of the, the therapy offers yeah and what we know what I what I know is that there's only a very few there's, there's a huge crossover between what anxiety how in, anxiety impacts people how depression impacts people and how trauma impacts people affects sleep affects concentration affects appetite um affects emotional um lability so you can be up and down you can be crying yeah. you know there's whatever the actual label is it often looks the same and there's only very few differentiating factors between them all and so what can happen is that you may find yourself um if you don't mention the word trauma yeah you may find yourself being offered something for anxiety or depression okay yeah this is like insider tip i don't know yeah no it's Uh, good i think it's important to know that because i think there are like it's almost like a hack but like the right kind of hack. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not a hack to get somewhere you should. Like oh a God, hack. NHS, NHS IAP is going to come at me for this. <laughs> but like, if this is the hill that I die on, then I'm... You're happy with it. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, but no, this is... It, and it's because there is... They are... They do look quite similar. Yeah. Um, and yes. And so being clear and and I also think it's important to be clear about having had a traumatic birth from your perspective because they might ask they might not even ask you about your birth which is something that I'm trying to work on yeah um in in services that aren't perinatal specific yeah knowing that they should ask everyone who's got a child about their birth because that's the first question I would ask as a psychologist um but also because on paper 
like we said before earlier yeah people might make judgments about whether it was traumatic or not yeah based on what's on paper if they even see any paperwork from from your from your maternity notes yeah and actually that judgment doesn't always match up with your experience so no. it's really important to communicate that that's your experience yeah absolutely. Um, and in the medical world even with you know even with the gps the word trauma means something different to physicians yeah to medics like you'll have you have like major trauma centers yeah which are about the physical trauma yeah. major physical trauma now interestingly major trauma centers do have psychology teams oh, okay. but that's only recent yeah. like recognition of, of the fact that you know, psychological trauma needs to be considered. But yeah, major trauma from a medical perspective, like from medical school, from the way that they would talk, from the way that they would write things down, would be about physical impact to tissue or to an organ or, right. you know, that is yeah. how, that is the definition of trauma to them. Yeah. How interesting. So it's like a different language, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, so yeah, that's my hack. Like, I like it. It's a good hack. It's a good yeah. hack to know about. I enjoy it. Um, but again, Trauma, having a traumatic experience doesn't mean that anxiety like it could be anxiety or depression in terms of how it looks and how it functions um but if the trauma isn't dealt with yeah then the impact of the anxiety and depression treatment wouldn't be as effective yeah. because you've not dealt with the root cause yeah it might be still vaguely helpful in terms of like day-to-day functioning but actually you're not getting to the root cause no. of of the issue no and I think that's important isn't it like you know the root cause of it um I wrote some things down as you were talking so you prompted me to want to ask three questions here so I'm going to ask them um birth partner trauma is that something you see quite a lot because it's something that we have over the years actually heard from you know birth partners from previous births that afterwards they felt like a shell of themselves because they had watched someone they love go through something that they just didn't understand at the time and they came out of it and the birth partner felt fine no the birther felt fine but the birth partner came out of it and they often they witnessed more than the person giving birth witnessed because you know sometimes when you're giving birth you write pain relief I know when I have gas and air I'm in a world of my own and I don't really have any idea what's going on whereas birth partner is fully there in the moment and present is that something that you see happen um and if so should they 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 I presume they get the exact same rights to go and you know talk about these things whether how seriously they get taken I you know yeah so um in terms of like I said in talking therapies and in IAPT in the NHS yeah um birth partners men fathers co-parents people who witness trauma yeah are entitled to the exact same service and also the exact same priority yeah um in the perinatal period interestingly maternal mental health services and perinatal mental health health services are not commissioned to support birth partners um which you know it is on the agenda it is going to happen um but given that the newness of those services for the birthing person we're sort of like you know we've got to do some things and do them try and do them well before moving on to other things um but in private practice obviously there are no bounds on criteria you know criteria If, if people want to access um private therapy if they have the means to do so yeah um so yeah, and I I often hear people saying that they think that their partner could do with some support. Yeah. Um, and again, it's this narrative of it's this. Obviously, there's a male mental health narrative which which impacts yes. people. 
um, and their willingness to to open up about their experience. But mm-hmm. then there's also the if for the people that I've spoken to, it's it's they're with me for therapy or they're in services, so they are struggling. And so then it's like, well, we can't both be struggling at the same time because yeah. that would just be a nightmare. Yeah. And it's that you know strong strong partner you yeah. know um they went, they went through it so you know my invalidating themselves again and, yeah. and gaslighting themselves um so yeah but it is something that um there's a few people there's a few I can't off the top of my head can't remember them but I know um I think is it the birth trauma association have a partner peer support worker okay I think it's the birth trauma association so they ha- they run support groups um for people who've experienced birth trauma and I I believe it's that organization um that all that does have a like a, a father a partner peer support worker okay um who's been through it and um yeah supports people so it's known yeah it's not you know we're not doing enough about it yet no no absolutely and the other... I you know I don't I would see anybody yeah you know who's affecting the perinatal period whether it's the, the birthing person or the partner yeah and I think you're right yeah. like it, it, there is a lot of that kind of you know gaslighting themselves isn't it like I didn't go through it so how can I be traumatized by an event but like you know it's a real thing so if there's any birth partners listening you're feeling like that like you're not not being daft mm. it's not like a silly thing you're feeling like your feelings are valid and you should you know if you feel like you could need help and seek it then absolutely you should and in terms of you know I, I've made my I guess I've made my position on diagnostic criteria and diagnostic <laughs> labels pretty clear yeah go for it but well, actually I'm gonna use the the the, the a bit of valuable information that I can you know very <laughs> pragmatic in my approach um the diagnosis for PTSD includes experiencing witnessing or hearing about a traumatic event there we go. so that so when we think about vicarious trauma people who hear so birth workers who hear birth trauma stories yeah. can develop PTSD partners who were there but not the person giving birth can develop PTSD yeah. and the person who's giving birth and the midwives and the staff in the hospital who are repeatedly exposed to trauma yeah can develop vicarious trauma and P- can develop PTSD as a result of the vicarious trauma so that's all recognized as valid yeah if you believe in yeah if you're really into diagnostic labels yeah. but it is like no one could fob you off basically because yeah. it's like officially written down in, in those books that are created by white middle class yes. American men. and we hate these things so but that's the highest form of yeah, validity isn't exactly it? and if but if they work in your favor sometimes then you've got to use what you can yeah you? exactly um what would you, you say to so obviously there's a lot of people out there that I think experience mental health issues after giving birth, but I think it takes time for certain people to come forward. People might, and I've certainly found myself in this position, I knew I wasn't okay, but I wasn't ready to do anything about it. I wanted to do something about it, but I didn't feel ready. What would like your advice be for those people? Like what, if they don't feel ready yet, they're not going to come forward, no matter how much someone says to them, like what what should these people be doing for themselves? Is there, you know, what would your advice be for them? Obviously, first bit of advice is please see somebody, but <laughs> until someone's yeah, ready, yeah. it's a hard thing, isn't it? Gosh, I would, it is, but I would want, I would, you know, I'm not asking for us to talk about your experience, but um, I would want people to ask, well, what, what would ready mean? What would ready look like? Yeah. Like, yeah, what, um, so when we think about, you know, being ready for therapy, being ready for for accident support is important. But what what is it that ready is going to mean? Yeah. Because often, not always, um, it's 
fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And actually, is staying the same a better option? Mm-hmm. Like, our brain will convince us it is, because change is scary. Yeah. Um, some, yeah, so sometimes it's about fear of the unknown. Sometimes it's like yeah making excuses to say to stay safe even though we feel pretty crap where we are right now um and and then there's also that element of like is it bad enough to seek therapy and the gaslighting and the criticism and I want to say that you cannot criticize your way out of your distress yeah like being compassionate being compassionate to yourself is not always about doing the easiest thing yeah being compassionate to yourself is not the easy choice yeah and actually what would that take and what would make that yeah what would what's going to make you ready because the answer is probably I have no idea what yeah. am I actually waiting for um yeah I it's, don't know if it's that hard no question. it actually does I think when I felt like that my mm. thing was um taking that first step was admitting that something wasn't okay and even though I knew something wasn't okay, and even though I felt like absolute dog shit, I could at least... It's that face, isn't it? Like, often you see people that have got, you know, mental health issues after birth, and they, there's a front that I think some people are quite good at putting on, but it's that when you're not around people, it's that if I do something about this, that's admitting that I am not okay. That and, becomes real. Yeah, and that's very real, whereas I think, you know, especially if you're British, it's you shut up and get on with it. Like that's that's what we do, isn't it? Like it doesn't matter how bad things are, just get on with it, you know. And we're often raised yeah. from a young age to be like, stop it now, stop crying, that's it, you know, it's over and done yeah. with, just get on with it. Um, and I've, you know, we speak to a lot of people that have the same kind of thing, like, oh no, I'll sort it out tomorrow. Like, it's not, I, I, I'm, it's not bad enough yet. And I think you're right. What does bad enough mean? When is it going to be bad enough? Yeah, yeah. Because right now you can't yeah. get off the sofa, so. <laughs> seems not okay what's the next yeah yeah and I I I think there's definitely something in there also about um particularly in the postnatal period um like even our basic needs get pushed down to the bottom of the pile and so like it feels quite self-indulgent to think about accessing support to give ourselves better mental health yeah uh, in like this way you know in the world where you think if your friend said the same thing to you yeah you'll be like absolutely you need to go absolutely you deserve to support yourself in this way like this is important you are important and so there's a bit of that societal narrative around your needs being sort of diminished but I also think there's, there's a culture there's a society around you know like mental health being either a good or a bad like yes. a dichotomy and also needing help being a sign of weakness or a sign of failure yeah um you know and different cultures have very different relationships with therapy mm-hmm. and I know we've got like the whole therapy and coaching uh, you know sort of thing going on where coaching is seen as more sort of self-development but in America yeah particularly you know like how everyone has a therapist yeah. jealous I'm jealous very normal yeah and it's very much about you know self self-development yeah. and reflection in a safe space and like looking after yourself yeah. um yeah and so there's something about culture there around therapy and mental health in this country and then there's something I mean obviously I'm not acting like all your listeners are UK but I know you're going to stay mainly, now, so, yeah um yeah um yeah and then also the culture around what would it 
yeah around mother a motherhood and parenthood yeah. and your needs being less important in that time um definitely yeah. and I think there's a thing of well isn't it like I haven't managed to shower in three days my physical health isn't feeling great like I fucking stink so what does it matter what's going on in my brain do you know what I mean like there's definitely that like you say we you lose yourself for a little bit and you definitely mm. put yourself on the back burner because baby comes first and I think even people not everyone obviously but a lot of people that are feeling crap after birth they do go on that autopilot of looking after baby and everything else is secondary and yes as you become a parent unfortunately things do become very secondary like your needs but there are certain things that if you you know the only way you can think of it is that my baby comes first but for you to be able to put your baby first sometimes you need to be able to put yourself first and I don't think we think Mm. of that enough yeah yeah I think that that's a nice way to encourage people um from that perspective yeah in terms of this will benefit everybody but then also me being like really harsh and hard you are worth it yeah, as well absolutely <laughs> you're worth it with that yeah you're worth it anyway yeah and it's also important because it will mean that you're be- in a better frame of mind um, 100%. yeah and the, the last thing I want to ask you and this is I think an important one um for again birth partners listening or like anybody that lives with somebody that they think isn't okay if you if somebody is you know their partner their wife girlfriend whatever isn't um they think they're not okay so they birth partner thinks they don't seem okay they really seem down the person hasn't said anything yet but they know that person they know they are not acting how they would normally how can they Mm. bring that up with the person who is maybe has postnatal depression, maybe has some kind of mental health issues after giving birth. Like what is the best way in which they can bring that up? What should they do? And again, this is coming from personal because my husband, he's very lucky that his best friend is a mental health um, uh, professional. And so he went and spoke to him, but he was basically like, I don't think she's okay. And I don't know what to do about it because I, I wasn't reaching out to anybody. But birth partners are in this unique position of being there with that person most of the time so they often can maybe see it if they're you know pretty (laughs) good at knowing somebody um before anybody else like how how would you suggest approaching that I'm sure it'd be different for everyone because people are different but yeah yeah I I think but I think generally speaking if someone is struggling in the postnatal period and you're a person that's observing that telling them that you think they might have or you think they should go to see yeah bad idea doesn't lay down well does it bad idea because the person is already feeling vulnerable maybe um criticizing themselves for not coping in air commas air quotes um so yeah that where you're sort of jumping you're jumping the gun like they're the things that you would hope would happen but actually you don't know if they're there yet particularly if they haven't even disclosed it to you or shared with you how they're feeling so the general thing that i would say is just start to make observations or ask questions about, you know, how you're feeling. But you know that whole ask twice. Yes. Um, ask twice. Um, because we're always on autopilot. And because our needs as a new parent get knocked down, it's mm-hmm. like fine. Like fine is the thing we all say. Yeah. But I'm, also I'm when right. your needs are knocked down, it's sort of like, well, as long as baby's fine, that's okay. Yeah. So like, that will always be the default response, generally speaking, most of the time. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the other thing to say is to like, oh, you know, um, yeah, I'm noticing that you're quite tense or I'm, you know, noticing that you're not sleeping well, baby aside, you know, when you've got the opportunity to, um, like, is there anything that I can do or have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not le- making great leaps. You're just bringing things to, you know, they may be aware, yeah. like you said, you were, but yeah. you didn't disclose, or they may not have connected all those dots or think that this is what you should expect. Again, what you should expect, welcome yeah. to motherhood. Um, so just noticing those things and commenting that you're noticing those things and validating their experience by noticing it. Yeah. Um, and then just be really open to that. And I'm, you know, I'm here if you want to chat about how hard it is. I'm here if you want to chat about, you know, any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, le- you know, leaving it with them. Cause at the end of the day, unless you're really concerned about their safety, yeah. in which case you can completely override their autonomy and contact a professional, yeah. um, like their, their safety or baby's safety. Yeah. If you're really concerned, um, that they're really unwell and unable to keep themselves safe or, um, yeah, really, really unwell, then that would be you contact someone on their behalf. hundred Yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that, it's, you know, like so many times in my career, there'll be someone, um, someone who wants someone to access therapy and whether it's in a team or whether it's a parent when I worked in CAMS or whatever, yeah. someone else thinks the person needs therapy. Yeah. And as a psychologist or, or needs, you know, obviously you can't, well, you can force someone to take medication if you're on a section, but we're generally not thinking yeah. about that here. Um, you can't force someone to take medication and you can't force someone to engage in therapy. Mm-hmm. And, as, and any like a psychologist wouldn't generally do that. No. Like even if someone was on a section and they were forced to take medication, psycho- generally psychologists would not be like in- forcing people to do yeah. therapy. Like that goes against our ethics. Yeah. And also it wouldn't be effective because no. it's not a passive, it's not a done to process. It's not passive. Um, so yeah, the person needs to be, like you say, feel ready. Yeah. Um, but it's just opening up the, conversations about how the person's feeling yeah uh, rather than making that jump to I think even though there's a tendency to panic and want to fix as well but actually validating hearing and being with someone in their distress it's always the first step yeah like it's always the first step that's really good I think that is wonderful advice and I think you know there will be a lot of people listen to this that maybe you know they're in that position and I hope that if anybody is listening to this and you know they are currently feeling that maybe they're they're not okay that this has helped and this is maybe opened the possibility to you seeking the next step in making yourself feel better because there is you know might not feel at the moment they might feel like this is forever but there there is a world past it isn't it like things don't have to stay like this forever they things can and will change like parenthood is ever changing um with the good and the bad you can have a good day and you think oh my god this is amazing but that won't it won't always be good and it won't always be bad and there are totally people yeah the good days don't last but the bad days don't last either exactly and I think that's important to remember isn't it and there are people out there that are you know there to help um like Jenna said and there's ways in which you can get that help if you need it um and we'll probably wrap it up there because I feel like that's a 
a nice place to nice. end yeah. it on. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Alex has not managed to get back at all. I have seen her on camera several times of a screaming baby. Um, he is yeah. teething. He's, I think he's nearly 10 months old now and he's not got any teeth still. Um, and so I think the teeth oh. are all making their way through. <laughs> I'll come at once. Yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? absolutely awful so she's um trying to sort him out but it's been fine i've really enjoyed it anyway so fuck alex don't need her she can uh sod her off from the whole business i can do this on my own not a problem um but it has been an until, absolute until river kicks off until river kicks off no, that's fine my husband's here alex's husband is um out so <laughs> i don't need to deal yeah. with him um yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I have really enjoyed this chat and I also have learned some new things. And I'm about to go away and start um, Googling uh, <laughs> sleep being a form of uh, sorting out trauma because honestly, what fascinating stuff. I love stuff like that. I, I'm going to go nerd out on that because it sounds like an amazing thing to kind of learn about. I love it. Mm. it <laughs> Thank you very much. You. And we will speak with you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That's us for today. We hope you loved this episode. We'll be back next week with more birthy goodness. In the meantime, come and join us on the gram at the Birth Uprising, where we'll be prattling around and talking all things birthy. If you want more from us, then check out our digital pack at www.thebirthuprising.com. Day.